What is going on, Suns fans? Justin here, and with me as always is my podcasting partner, Paul. Roads? Where we're going, we don't need roads. Back to the future, I love it. I love it, Paul. And we are here with, get ready for this. First of all, did you hear that? You hear that music? Yeah, that's right. That's intro music. We've got intro music. Oceans Over Airplanes is the name of the band. Check them out. And get ready for this. We are here with the first episode of the Fanning the Flames podcast. We've got a name. Yeah, I don't know why, Paul, why did we change the name? You didn't like the for the fans, by the fans thing, so. I'm trying to brand us. I'm trying to get us uh, get us some clout, man. <laughs> Look at this guy. Just like, you're such a high-level thinker. I'm, uh, I just dude, kind I'm of, trying to build the media empire. <laughs> I sat, I sat uh, you know, complicitly by. I'm just like, yeah, whatever you say, dude. That's fine. I'm, I'm down. So at any rate, that's it right now. We're going to call it the Fanning the Flames podcast moving forward. It's still always going to be for the fans, you guys out there, by the fans, us. But uh, just a little bit of a different name. And hey, we left the fan part in there, so that's cool, right? Yeah. Yeah. We also got a new Twitter handle. New Twitter handle, at FanTheFlamesNBA. Yes, sir. So go and follow. Go follow that. You can you know, hear us tweeting nonsense from our own accounts and then from that one, too. It's going to be great. I don't see why that doesn't sound like more fun. That sounds outstanding, doesn't it? It's not going to go wrong at all. No, there's no way. No way this goes poorly and we forget about all of this like next week and I go back to calling it what we've called it for the past year and a half. But at any rate, moving on, we have Brightside Night coming up this Sunday. This Sunday, I will be back. Just for the record, if anybody's listening out there, I'm recording this from beautiful Manhattan Beach, California, just overlooking the ocean, not to make anyone jealous, but that's yeah, what I'm doing. Yeah, you're the one who's traveling this time. I know, right? It's awesome. You should, you should go to Manhattan Beach and do this overlooking the ocean. Every time. It's great. Yeah. I should. Uh, I'm going to San Luis Obispo in a couple of weeks. Well, that sounds that's like the same thing, right? I think. Yeah. A, little south, a little further south. Yeah, there you go. Uh, anyway, Brightside Night. This Sunday, uh, we will be hosting a uh, meet and greet prior to Brightside Night. And Paul, why don't you tell them where and when and all this stuff? Because I have no idea. I know you did all this work and I did nothing. So go on. Yeah, so um, we're having a little uh, kind of get together, give an opportunity for all of us to kind of, who are uh, supporters of Brightside Night to actually meet each other. Because I remember being there last year, and we kind of went in, had a little meet uh, Q and A with McDonough, and then went to the game. And everybody just kind of sat in their own seats, didn't really um, mingle, mingle, and get to know each other, and you know, kind of develop those like fan relationships outside of uh, the message boards on Brightside. So. Um, we thought it might be a good idea. There's a bar called The Park that's right across the street from Talking Stick. Um, starting at 2.30, we have some space reserved uh, just for everybody to kind of come out, uh, grab a couple drinks, and uh, get to know each other. So when we go into the game, we can uh, kind of cheer along together and whatnot. And it'll be just a really good time before we head over to meet uh, James Jones and whatnot. There you go. Yeah, so 2.30, The Park. Is that right? Is that what you said? The Park? The Park, Yes. They sell beer by the ounce. Like, like I could buy an ounce of beer or a hundred ounces of beer or anything above and beyond or below. I think, that. I think so. You get this like little card and you hold it up to the tap and you serve yourself and it charges you by the number of ounces that come out. That sounds confusing. Um, I'm sure I'll screw that up somehow. So, but anyway, uh, come watch me screw that up, uh, and, and meet up with uh, us and other Suns fans there before, uh, the, the game. And do, Paul, what time is that going to go till? Do you know? Because what time's the James Jones thing? Also, do you know? Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> if I, our thing starts around two thirty. Uh, Justin and I'll be there around then, and then I believe the uh, Q and A with James Jones starts at four, and then the game starts at six. Five. 
thought the six? game was six. You're right, six. Yes, I'm right. Okay. Well, I think that sufficiently explains everything. Uh, it's been posted on Brightside at least once this week, I think. If you guys have any questions or anything like that about it, feel free to hit us up on Twitter. Um, you know where to do that. Or leave it in the messages below, the uh, comment section below. We can do it that way too. Okay. Sons? Wait, one, one more Whoa, thing. one more thing. One though. more thing. If you are planning on coming and you haven't yet, we do have a link on the posting on Brightside. Um, just trying to get a head count so we know how many people to reserve space for. So uh, please, if you haven't already and you're planning on showing up, please go in and fill that out so we know how many people you're bringing. All right. Look at you. So, so efficient, Paul. I will, I will add to that and say, but if you don't do it, you should still come anyway. And just kind of I'm going to throw a wrench in Paul's little idea there. So that's what I do. I'm happy. I think Paul was coughing. He might not have heard me say that. Uh, that, that. That would be my son. Oh, that was Jimmy. Okay, my bad. Anyway, so sons, should we talk about the sons now? Yes. Okay. Not my son. Let's talk about the sons. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Okay. So it's been, I mean, we haven't, the sons haven't had a game this week. It's Friday. Pull back the curtain. That's when we're recording. They have not played at all. This Gotta get down since, on Friday. Since Sunday, right? Sunday? Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, one thing though that ha- has come up that I think uh, warrants discussion is is how the Suns are doing at this point. They're, I, I think, for all intents and purposes, exceeding expectations. And, uh, you know, I, I've seen it online a few different times. I know Gambo had tweeted something about it. But there's this question lingering out there about whether the Suns should make a move to make a push for the playoffs. Um, I, I, have, I have relatively strong feelings about this. Uh, but, Paul, I will let you kind of, you know, take the lead here, run with it, let me know. What do you think? Should the Suns make a move to make a push for the playoffs – and if you think they should, what move should it be? Um, uh, or if they shouldn't, then should they make any moves? Or all these questions. Nice and open-ended. Start, yeah, start with the first one, though. Go ahead. Well, I mean, over the last couple of weeks, the Suns have really started to kind of bring it on and play like an actual decent team, which, which it's nice to see. It's been fun to watch, you know, actually going into games thinking, oh, hey, these guys can actually actually have a shot at winning this. So I can see where the uh, fan response, the short-term fan response of going, hey, let's actually try for the playoffs and try to win because, you know, that's, we haven't in forever. And it would be nice. I just think long-term, I don't think it's the right move yet. I'm not against making moves, but I don't think we should go all in for a short-term, um, try to get into the, a low seed in the playoffs this year and potentially sacrifice any flexibility in future years. All right. Well, yeah, and, and you know, I, I, I agree with you 100. I, I, I mean, what, what's the, what's, the, what's the push? I know, right? <laughs> this is craziness. What's the push for the playoffs going to be? We're going to push to try to get an eight seed, and then not get an eight seed, and then get and blown then, out by the Warriors, right? Or get the eight seed and get blown out by the Warriors. I mean, that doesn't seem appealing to me. And and you know, you mentioned that the Suns have you know come along over the past few weeks and. And, and, and shown improvement, and you're thinking, hey, this is a team that might actually have chances to win games that they're playing in. Um, you know, I, I, I went and did a little bit of digging. I did a little bit of what we like to call research. Um, and Something we're know, not good at. Uh, yeah, hey, speak for yourself, man. Or, or, <laughs> or, 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 or judge me after I finish this little spiel. And you know, I, I think that this is going to trend towards the Suns ultimately kind of reversing course and dropping further down in the standings, assuming they maintain – the course that they're on. And one of the reasons why people are saying, should they make a push for the playoffs, make a move to make a push for the playoffs is because there's this, I don't want to call it a presumption, but there's a lot of chatter out there about 
this team's too good to end up with a high draft pick this year. They're going to end up somewhere in that middling, you know, mid to late lottery area where perhaps you're going to miss on some of the bigger players, which I'll address later because this is a decent draft, I think. But let's let's talk about what the numbers show right now. According to ESPN.com, we've got the Suns um, sitting there with a strength of schedule so far this year uh, rated 22nd in the league. Okay, uh, they're they're tied with San Antonio with the 22nd. I guess you would call it easiest schedule thus far. So, you know, ultimately with things all tending to even out in some way throughout the year, you would then anticipate that their schedule as we move forward is going to get a little bit more difficult. That being said, let's look at the teams that are below them in terms of strength and schedule. So the teams that have had easier schedules this year than the Suns. And there are seven of them. We've got Toronto, we've got Washington, we've got the Clippers, we've got Houston, we've got Denver, we've got Portland, and we've got Cleveland, okay? Now, Paul, how many of those teams are below the Suns in the current standings, the reverse standings, if you will, in terms of getting a high draft pick? Zero. You said zero. Zero is the answer. I was trying to (laughs) remember the whole list. I was like Toronto, Washington, Cleveland, Denver. I got half of them. There you go. (laughs) <laughs> it's a good, good job. So it's zero teams. And the closest team uh, to them in terms of uh, the standings would be the Clippers. And the Clippers are five games ahead of the Suns if you're looking at the loss column. Okay. So now let's look at the teams that are actually below the Suns. We've got the Nets. We've got, and, and this is in, this is in standings right now. This is, we've got the Nets, we've got the Bulls, we've got the Mavs, we've got the Lakers, we've got the Grizzlies, we've got the Kings, we've got the Magic, and we've got the Hawks. All of those teams have strength of schedules that are more difficult than the Suns so far this year. And all of those teams are really quite close to the Suns when it comes to uh, the loss column. Uh, The Nets, I guess that would be Cleveland ultimately because they're going to get that pick, but they're tied with them. And then everyone else is pretty much between one and two games behind the Suns in the loss column except for the Magic and the Hawks, who are at four. Point of all this being that ultimately these teams who are currently behind the Suns in terms of record are going to start playing a bit of an easier schedule. The Suns are going to start playing a bit of a harder schedule. And I really think that things are going to ultimately, to a certain degree, flip. And the Suns are still, regardless of the positivity that we've seen from them over the past few weeks, and I think we'll still continue to see positive things throughout the year, but I think... In the end, they're still going to be a team that's going to be towards the bottom of the standings and is going to have a chance to get a high draft pick and a chance to get a guy who you know, is going to be a big-time piece for the franchise, whether that be Trey Young, who everyone's enamored with now, or DeAndre Ayton, Doncic, who I know you like, I mean, whomever. So, you know, making... making Bamba. Bamba. I'm not a big Bamba guy, but, you know, you know whatever. Um, but... Making a move to try to push for the playoffs to, you know, in all intents and purposes, certainly pull us then, you would think, at least out of that true bottom area of the standings and take us even further out of the potential of getting a high draft pick um, and possibly leveraging at least some part of the future in order to do so just doesn't seem like a good idea to me considering the fact that for all intents and purposes, the Suns have played a much easier schedule this year than any of the teams that you know are around them at the bottom of the standings, and that would indicate to me that they're eventually going to slip down further. Let that happen, and I agree with you. I think it's a year too early before we start trying to talk about making a push for the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it is is coming from, you know, we're looking at 
the development that Booker has shown over the last couple months and just he's made that leap that everybody's hoping for and then some and now it's like okay now we actually need to start winning because if we don't this guy's gonna you know he might be, he might want out and so I, I see that from there's that risk potential but I think he also I think Booker understands the team as a whole is still a little bit away from that with the roster that we currently have yeah, and I, I, I again will agree with you there. Booker, Booker is a guy that has, for all intents and purposes, from what we've seen of Devin Booker, he is he has a, he has a level head on his shoulders. He understands the game, and I think he understands where this franchise is, and and he certainly is embracing his position within the franchise. And if he wants this to be a long term winning franchise, I think he would certainly recognize that trying to make a push for a last playoff spot with this roster right now isn't going to you know, benefit them and push them in that direction. Um, I, I really think that, like we said, he's, this team is perhaps one year away, and if we end up getting one of those high draft picks, or at least you know, even if we end up top four, there are four guys in this There's draft. Easy. There's easy. This is a top that five I would, draft. I, yeah, that plus, I would love to and take. that's before you get to young. Right. Well, and we'll see where he is by the end of the year because that guy's right. I, I'm just saying. Boards, but... I, I'm just saying. Going into the season, everybody says sure. it's a five-player draft, and that was before Trey Young I got showed you. up on the scene. I so got you. there's a like if we can get a top six pick, I think I'll be happy. And when you look at the draft, who those guys are, they're all point guards and centers, as it is. So it's right where we have holes. So I think the draft actually falls really well with the Suns needs this year, unlike having a very wing heavy draft where right. we clearly don't have that need. Which let me ask you really quick, when you say they're all I want to make sure I want to make sure I'm on the same page as you with this. When you say they're all point guards and centers, we've got Aiton, we've got Bomba who you referenced early. We've got Bagley. Don, we've got Bagley who's yeah, he's a he's a four or five, yeah sure. Yeah, they call him four or five. Um Doncic, who you're still saying is a point guard, and you know, Doncic can play. Let's like, call, we'll call him a guard, a playmaking yeah. guard. Yeah, they have him listed at, on what I'm looking at right now. What am I looking at? Uh, Sporting News has him listed as a shooting guard, small forward. But I mean, he's he clearly has the skills to play a point guard, particularly maybe even a combo guard, bouncing off of Dragic or not Dragic. Whoa, 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 whoa! What year is it, bro? <laughs> He did. He played off Dragic on the national team over the summer, and they no, no, won. No. Okay, so you're just you're just thinking back to when you watched all of that. I actually did watch some of it because oh. I was intrigued by Doncic. Okay, so but, anyway, so um, we've he got, could play off of Booker really well, particularly with Booker developing a lot of those playmaking skills. Right, they almost they almost mirror each other in some sort of you know put put these two playmaking guards together and they combined create a single playmaking point guard. You know, if that makes sense, right? Um, and kind of do what. Uh, McDonough's original vision was with the dual point guards, mm-hmm. but you really just have it with two really, really, really good combo guards. If that happens, like you know, half a decade too late, I'm totally fine with it. So okay, totally. And then, and then who else? Who else you, you have then? That six person. You said six or five person draft. Well, I mean, you got Michael Porter Jr. Yeah, he's really he's a he's wing. A, yeah, he's a wing. He's a wing power forward. Uh, Jaron Jackson out of Michigan State. He's a forward center. Bamba's a center. Colin Sexton out of Alabama. And that's the guy right there that I feel like people are forgetting about. I get it that Trey Young has been going nuts, but Colin Sexton's not exactly a player that you want to sleep on in terms of having some legit potential at being a very solid one in the NBA. Um, 
So that's really the only point of my entire exercise of having you name those players. You're welcome. Emphatically drive home that point. Uh, and then one last stat to throw out there. When we're talking about this whole, like, should we make a move, try to make a playoffs thing? The Suns, again, if we're looking at, you know, stat geeks, their RPI as of right now is 27 in the NBA. The only teams behind them are Sacramento, Orlando, and Atlanta. So to the extent that that's going to be indicative of where things are going to continue to go this year, I mean, ultimately, we're still looking at a team that is in and amongst the bottom four to five teams in the NBA. And one move I don't think is going to get us into the playoffs, and I don't think is going to make any sort of, you know, uh, beneficial impact for us moving forward. Now, obviously, at some point we have to stop sucking, but yeah, I'm not quite ready definitely. to stop sucking yet. <laughs> right, and I mean, I, I I can see like making kind of a chess move that may make us slightly better in the short term as kind of like a bridge. Mm-hmm. You know, we clearly have to do something about the front court logjam. I mean, we just have too many players. We're legitimately sitting a guy every night who can play on a team, whether it's Len. Monroe or Chandler, one of those guys is always sitting. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely a guy we can move. And we clearly are playing second stringers at best at point guard. So, I mean, that's really the move to make there is kind of get rid of, I don't want to use the term get rid of, but figure out that log jam in the front court and kind of shore up that lack of depth at the, at the one spot. So, I mean, if we wanted to do a move that would allow us to kind of bridge, like let's say we do get a Colin Sexton or a Trey Young in this in this next draft, and you know they're not ready right away. They need to kind of come up as a backup, having you know that kind of placeholder vet who actually is good to an extent to kind of run the show for a while until um, that um, the guy's ready to kind of take the reins. Kind of what. And the name that I think comes to mind a lot is George Hill because he wants out of Sacramento, even though that's really what he was brought in to do in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. And we, I know we'd be bringing him in essentially to do that here in Phoenix as well. But if our goal is to possibly maybe try to fight for a spot next year, I think he'd be a good pairing against with Booker as <laughs> they go through that. Plus, he's not on the books after that. So I feel like I feel mm-hmm. like Paul, NBA trade machine, Bichelli is leading me somewhere here. Paul, do you have a trade in mind on how we're going to get Mr. George Hill? Uh, it's a pretty. I'm pretty sure a straightforward Monroe for Hill trade works. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know who has the leverage in that one because you know Sacramento kind of wants to get off the books of uh, Hill because he doesn't want to be there, mm-hmm. and he's got an extra year on the on the contract. But the Suns need to get rid of a center. So and they're probably more than willing to buy out Greg Monroe if he does if they don't get something figured out before the trade deadline. So I don't know who has the leverage there to maybe eke out another asset. I wouldn't want to really give up anything major, maybe more anything more than like maybe one of our random seventeen second round picks. Mm-hmm. But I'd prefer it if we could somehow get the leverage to actually bring something else back, like get another second round pick. Yeah, let's just get let's get twenty two of those then. Yes, um, let's, let's put really weird random like uh, protections on it as well. That'd be fun. Exactly. Uh, yeah, it, to the point that you may not get anything. You know, and I guess you know. I think the, the, the when you ask the question like who has a the leverage there, I guess it from my perspective, and I don't have an answer to this, but would probably depend upon 
how much value the Kings would put in having, you know, $15 million or whatever it is that Monroe has makes, um, come off 17, come off the books, you know, this coming off season. Cause that's really, that's really where the value is. I think for, for, for anything, I mean, they're either going to have 19 million that they have to pay to George Hill next year. Um, or they'll have 17 million that comes off the books next year. And right, exactly. And that's kind of where, what do the Kings want to do mm-hmm. and how desperate are they to do that? Are they, how desperate are they to get off that contract? The Kings have been known to do things that confuse everybody though. So who knows what would happen? Who knows? And who? I mean, it, it could be cause I mean, they're pretty full at the front court positions as well. So bringing in a guy like Monroe, they may just be bringing him in to buy him out. Right. Anyways, but um, it could become a third teamer. I don't know where he'd go to, but to get him to some, get him somewhere where the Kings actually get something they can use, and the and Monroe goes to a team that could use him. Sure, but I mean that's really the move. Sure, and and you know I I think that if I'm not I'm not against the Suns making moves. Just for the record, I'm definitely not against that because if if they're gonna move. Greg Monroe or Tyson Chandler or Jared Dudley, I don't know, whoever, and get something in return for it, great, because that's, that's those are guys who are not part of the timeline. They're not going to be around once this team is getting to the point where we expect and hope that this team gets to. Uh, but if we start talking about, you know, in any sort of way mortgaging the future or, or even, even, you know, obviously we've got Chris and Bender. There's a lot of debate out there. Okay, who would you rather have, Chris or Bender? Bender or Chris? Does one of those guys need to go? Perhaps at some point. But I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not. There you go. I'm not ready to jump in and say, okay, I want one of them gone now because it's creating a logjam. You know. I mean, right. perhaps, perhaps at some point, yeah, we'll say, hey, I'd rather have. You know, the Suns would rather have Bender makes Chris expendable so we could trade him, or vice versa. But I don't know that I'm at the point where I can definitively say that I want one of those guys over the other. I'd like more time to figure that part out. Yeah, neither one of those guys has solidified themselves yet as like this is the guy that mm-hmm. can become that cornerstone. So I'm more than happy to kind of it works. It seems to work right now with the mm-hmm. system that we've got whether with uh Bender coming off the bench, Chris starting. Obviously tonight with uh Chris being out with the injury, we'll get to see what a uh Bender start looks like. Yep. But and he had a great know, game, you know, when after Chris got hurt and left. He did. He definitely game. did. Yeah. I mean, granted, he was shooting the lights out from three, which I don't think you can expect every night. But I expect it every night. I, I know you expect so I, excellence. So I can expect that every night, Paul. You know, and, and frankly, gun to my head, if you if, if you ask me though, right now, who would I rather have? I'd rather I'd take Bender. If if you said the Suns have to trade one of these guys, it's going to happen right now. And Justin, you get to choose who they keep. I would say keep Bender. I, I'm I'm a, I'm in the same position again. We need to stop agreeing with each other. I mean, I, I love I love the pairing of Bender and Len. I love what they've been doing together, and but on a defensive end, and as and Len has simplified his offensive game, and Bender's offensive game complements that. So as he gets more confidence, I think that that pairing could grow, assuming that the Suns attempt to and are successful in actually bringing back Len on like a reasonable deal. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Because, yeah, that one's really going to be interesting. You know, kind of. Uh, you know, last year we were we were all talking about how oh, Len's going to get paid. He's going to get paid, 
And even though he wasn't showing anything, we kept saying, and you know, in our defense, it wasn't just you and me. It was a lot of people saying he's still going to get paid. Then he did not get paid. Well, and now but he's nobody actually, got paid. Yeah, well, no, that's, I got you. But he did not get paid, and now he's actually shown that he should get paid. So it's going to become yeah. very interesting to see how this plays out during the offseason, whether the Suns are actually capable of bringing him back. Because, you know, I obviously, obviously at this point, uh, you know, seeing what he's done – I'm 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 certainly not against it. I don't I don't know that you know I want him to be the focal point in terms of being the starting center moving forward. Uh, but he's certainly. Well, I guess that kind of depends on what you know a bender kind of develops into and what Josh exactly. Jackson continues to do and what T.J. Warren's doing and whatnot. But that being said, again, I'm I'm certainly not against bringing him back uh, at this point. Like last year, if you would have said Justin towards the end of the year. Do you want them to match if he gets a big offer? I would say no. I wouldn't even match if he got a smaller offer. But he's he's changed my mind. So well done, Alex Len. Congratulations. I'm proud of you. Now, now the only concern is, again, well, granted, he didn't do it in his original contract year because that's always the concern is you get the guy who plays really well in his contract year and then gets paid and then mm-hmm. either tries to do more or doesn't try as hard. And then now he's paid and he sucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe a good example of this was uh, Jerome James pulling that one out of the hat i'll go ahead and i'll just say yes paul <laughs> so i know he, he had like one good season for the knicks and got paid out of his mind and then sucked a number of years ago gaming the system i love it are you pausing because you want me to look this up and see if that actually no. occurred okay well, no I'm, you know you know us with half-ass stats i'm gonna do it anyway half-ass so stats and facts it was the guy there was a dude that who was the dude that got signed by the redskins i know different sport obviously but he was a uh, he was uh, albert hainsworth yeah, no, no. There was somebody else before him. Albert Hainsworth, didn't he just go psycho and like start stomping on people like left and right? No, um, no, that was no. He got, he got like he had like a hundred million dollar deal, and then they cut him after like the first year because he sucked. Right, right. I now stopped looking up Jerome James and looking up Redskins <laughs> contracts. Uh, whoa, Jerome James is a big boy. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so. Uh, what were we talking about? I totally just got thrown off track. I don't remember. <laughs> well, we were talking whole, about bringing back, bringing back Alex Land and all of that stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I, I would be for it. But hey, what about yeah. Josh Jackson coming around? He gets benched last week and then comes back and has what is, I think, quite obviously his best three game stretch he's had as a Phoenix Sun. That's yeah, encouraging, and I, right? And in the same game where Bender had his career game uh jackson had his career game which Mm -hmm. was really nice to see Mm -hmm. um i'm looking forward to seeing where he develops and how this comes it seems like um kind of light bulb has gone off in his head a little bit and he's kind of thinking through stuff a little bit more i know you don't always want guys to think but when they and they want to react on instinct but i think he was reacting too much on instinct for a while right and now he's kind of trying to think feel out the game and kind of figure out where his place truly is so I think that's that's a good sign. There was a there was a video. I don't. Did you see the video, the interview with him a couple days ago? It might have been even, even been yesterday, where he was. Uh, they asked him about like some reporters yeah. asked him about that, and he was like, "Yeah, I they the team sucked with me on the floor." Right. And well, like, he, he basically showed him the numbers. And yeah, and, yeah, and he's like, he was he was shocked by them, and you know, yada yada yada. But ultimately, you know, he he accepted it. And I'm actually looking for a, a, a quote right now that I 
I saw from him the other day, and I can't find it, so I'll paraphrase at least based on my recollection. Uh, because, and I bring this up because you know, like usual, I'm going to pat myself on the back. Um, you know, I, I, I've said throughout the year that I, I love the way Jackson plays. He plays hard. He plays fast all the time. But when he's playing fast, he's playing out of control. Um, and he, in this interview, this quote that I saw from him, if I recall correctly, had mentioned the fact that the coach told him he likes that he's playing fast, but that he needs to you know, play with some re- restraint, some control when he's playing. You play fast, but you don't play overly fast where you're wild and out of control. And Jackson said that he's tried to focus on slowing himself down a little bit in those past few games after that benching, and that's what he thinks has helped him, him improve. Um, and, and like I said, that's exactly what I saw in him. I mean, you see a guy that's playing hard all the time. He's not, he's not dogging it. There's no question about that. But he gets almost overzealous and, and really trusts his – he's a skilled player, but perhaps trusts his skills a little bit too much from time to time with some of those drives, uh, aggressive drives that he takes. And it's a matter of him you know, accepting that he needs to rein that in, control that, and just use his, his, his athleticism in a smart way to, to continue to grow as an NBA player. And hopefully, you know, again, these last three games have been you know, the, the, the first steps in, in seeing that development. Yeah, hopefully this is like, kind of like the corner turning. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, he's, he's going to be out tonight against the Rockets because I'd definitely like to see how he comes back after having such a, really, such a solid game against OKC, even with all that time off, these last couple days off. But I think what you're hearing out of his mouth – and that's actually this is actually something that I'm actually really impressed with from the Suns across the board, like from Devin Booker to Marquise Chris to Josh Jackson. They understand and admit their faults, and they know what mm-hmm. they need to work on. There are a lot of players that won't that like when somebody tries to bring a negative stat or something to their attention, just kind of blows it off. These guys understand it and they get it. And I think part of that might just be that they're they've come up in the analytics age so they've been looking at these stats since they they were started playing so they kind of know how it affects their game and they understand it and so they can see how things outside of the normal box score really do affect the game and how that stuff can be tracked and but it's nice to see that these guys even though maybe on the court they're they have some ego off the court they have a humbleness to them in that they know they're not perfect and they know that there's stuff they need to work on and they're all willing to do it. Sure. Well, and, and I thought there was one interesting thing that um, was has been kind of discussed in terms of the whole Josh Jackson thing and Triano sitting down and having that conversation with him where he says, I don't really have a lot of faith in you. Um, and, and Triano asked him, what could we do as a coaching staff to make it better? And Josh Jackson's response was, I want to watch tape with you. Like, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Because that shows exactly what you're talking about. That shows willingness uh, and interest in improving himself as a player and accepting that he needs help to, uh, to, to improve. He's not going to be able to just find it based on sheer talent alone. Now he's in the NBA level. He needs to take it to a sec- uh, another level. And as I understand it, they now have regular meetings where they sit down and they go through tape. And I'm again interested in seeing how that continues to uh, assist in his in his in his development. Right. Um, here, I found my quote. See, that's what I've been doing, Paul. Jackson said, "I think I played a little bit slower tonight. I think a lot of time, a lot of the time, I get going a little too fast and get out of control a little bit, and it's hard for me to look around and make decisions." So, again, 
slow it down just a touch because he's so athletic. He's so fast. He's playing fast all the time. If he slows it down his touch, guess what? He's still playing at a aggressive speed. He's still playing the game hard, but he's, like he said, able to make those those decisions a little bit better. So Right. Okay. I mean, and I think one of the things about him coming into the season when he was drafted was beyond his athleticism was like his passing and his vision. And it sounds like he's just kind of been putting his head down and just kind of trying to go and score. And that isn't really what the Suns needed out of him. Exactly. Paul, are you, are you t- retweeting stuff in the middle of us recording this podcast? No. Are, are you lying to me? Because I just saw it on my timeline, buddy. I mean, I'm looking at Twitter I, I, too, obviously, but I'm just saying. I might have voted for Devin Booker <laughs> okay, well, once or twice. In that regard, we'll forgive you. So how about that Devin Booker voting? He's now 10th. I don't even care yeah, anymore. Yeah, he dropped. So yeah. stupid. The NBA, the NBA All-Star game is ridiculous. It's how dumb. Manager the like voting fifth? is dumb. Jesus. I... I'm surprised the guy's still walking. Um, but, yeah, it's the, the whole NBA vote thing and, and the voting on Twitter and all that is, is nuts. You know, I was listening to uh, Solar Panel. I think it was Espo yeah. said, said bring, back, bring, me, bring me back to the old paper ballots. Remember you get those at the Suns Paper ballots games? at the movie theater? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, like, you, you have to, like, poke through the hole and all that stuff. Dude, I'm, I'm down for that. I'd like to go back to that. I don't but, know. Then we get into, like, a hanging Chad situation. Okay, well, you know, if you if you want to get, I don't, I don't know that that would happen with the NBA All Star Game, but hey, you know, if it did, then at least there's more 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 interesting things happening then, as opposed to like my Twitter timeline. Just no, no, no offense to you, Paul, because it's mostly you. I'm just getting yeah. absolutely filled with like Devin Booker retweets. I'm like, I get it, we love him, it's cool. Um, but at any rate, Devin Booker's obviously soon. not going to be voted in All Star. Then we can go back to my uh, normal nonsense. See. Yeah, there you go. Thank God. Um, so. Well, I understand he's not going to be vote. I know he's not going get, to get in via the fan vote, but it, I think I just kind of look at it from the perspective of there's I think there's like a level of like notoriety that I feel like the coaches will take into account when they're looking at who they are going to select when they select the rest of the teams. So having him be in that conversation is helpful to his case to be voted voted in by the coaches. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, good. We can disagree on something, I think. Are you telling me that you think the coaches will look at where players finished in the fan voting to contribute to who they want, who they believe is deserving of an all-star bid? No. What? No, I don't think they'll look at like the numbers, but I I think (laughs) that they do pay attention to who actually is in the zeitgeist of like, NBA conversations and a factor in that is like who is what the hell my TV just unmuted for absolutely no apparent reason <laughs> I, I heard that that was loud <laughs> um, I just getting him more in that national conversation which is, has kind of been the problem and we're actually starting to see an uptick in it there was a there was a ringer article that kind of that came out a couple days ago that was a pretty good um review of kind of how Booker has changed over the past year and grown and a little bit on the rest of the Suns, but it was primarily a Booker article, but you know, he is from a statistical standpoint, he is up there in the upper echelon of guards in the NBA this year. And he's not really getting the notoriety for it because he's on the Suns. So being getting that him into that conversation can only help 
when the because I think a lot of those coaches they're so busy dealing with their own teams. They're just like, oh, who's good? Well, and I so mean, they start looking these, at these, these coaches also game plan for the games, including games that the Suns plan. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say that they understand and recognize what Devin Booker's doing and his talent. So I, I just I don't I don't see how the the, the the public perception is going to really impact what a coach ultimately decides to do in terms of voting. I, right, because Manu Ginobili is not getting in, nor is Lonzo Ball. Right, Lonzo Ball. Hey, if anybody from L.A. – I'm in L.A. I might just go yell this out the window. This entire city should be ashamed of itself for voting for Lonzo Ball for the All-Star game. I said it. I'm going to go yell yeah. it out the window after I, we're done. At but least that is absurd. Right, right. The guy that's actually playing like he deserves to be an All-Star or at least considered Lonzo Ball. I mean he made a couple shots last night, so that was good for him I guess. Um, but at any rate – I stand by my comment that the entire city of L.A. and all Los Angeles Lakers fans who have voted for Lonzo Ball to make the All-Star team should be ashamed of themselves. And they should not be allowed to watch NBA basketball anymore. Boom. I said it. Well, I mean, th- there's a number of reasons just the residents of Los Angeles should be ashamed of themselves. That's just kind of harsh. I, outside of the Lakers, I think, and the Dodgers, I think Los Angeles is a lovely city. I mean, at least when you're down yeah, in, the, the, when you're the, at like Manhattan Beach sucks. and like the beaches and stuff. <laughs> but I, I don't want to go see the rest of it, frankly. No, thank you. Yeah. So okay. traffic kind of sucks. Now that we got some uh, a bashing of the city of Los Angeles in, which always makes me feel a little bit better. Uh, anything else you want to discuss here today, Mister Bashalia? I think I'm good. Okay. You got anything else you wanted to bring up? No. I mean, did talk- we forget something? Did I forget something from the no, rundown? We had talked about we had talked about the like the the, the Luke Walton fizz thing. I, I just I, I'm not particularly interested in talking about that unless unless you want to, because again, no. I, I think that's just a bunch of bluster. Uh, and I say again because we talked about it, not because I said anything about this earlier in the podcast. But the the I'm sorry if Levar Ball says something and then the media runs with it, that doesn't make it true. So I I. I whether and frankly, whether the Lakers have lost interest uh, or are not playing for Luke Walton or not is really no concern to me. Uh, and I, I don't care. I just don't care. I don't think Fizdale's going to go there. I think Fizdale's would see that the Suns have a better opportunity moving f- forward and would rather coach for the Suns. And I have absolutely no reason, uh, no basis for supporting that. That's just my own blind <laughs> emotional take. <laughs> well, we'll we'll hit we'll hit him up from the uh, from the Torero perspective and right exactly show him there's a there's a good there's a good base of San Diego University of San Diego Suns fans San, San Diego San Diegoans San Diegoans San Diegans <laughs> so okay that's that was a worthless throw in so let's wrap it up Mr. Bichelli I don't know why I keep calling Mr. Bichelli all of a sudden I mean, I'm just I'm in a mood I'm I don't know we haven't really used I'm in a mood is this today, like the Paul. first time you're using my last name yeah I'm just throwing out I want people to like know who you are me on the other hand I'm gonna and, keep myself secret under the radar no one knows me it's fine. Um, not like they could spell either of our last names anyway. So um, on that note, since Paul has nothing else and I have nothing else, as always, you can catch up with us on Twitter. I'm at so says Jay and Paul. At Dervish of World. And also now at Fan the Flames NBA. Don't go on there yet and look. We have to delete some stuff that's on there from before, though. So, um, <laughs> And uh, until next time, thank you, as always, for listening. 
uh, we'll continue probably to call this fanning the flames because I don't know Paul loves it and I'm 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 just I'm a good friend and I want to listen to Paul and go with what he likes. So <laughs> I threw out one idea and you liked it. <laughs> well, like I said, I'm a good friend. I just said, yeah, that's fine. I like it. That's a, I'm down. That's great. So fanning the flames podcast, still always for the fans and by the fans, and as always, with lots thank of hot you. takes, lots of hot takes. <laughs> Lots of L.A. bashing and all that fun stuff. As always, thank you for listening. And depending on when you're listening, have yourself a good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Leave the gun and take the cannoli. Trust in